Hi, everyone. It is Friday, February 9th, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. We read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. As you can hear, it's just me today. Mosh is en route to Israel, where he'll be doing some reporting for the next few days. As promised, I'm going to keep this short and sweet on this Friday. It is Super Bowl weekend. It is also the Lunar New Year. So wherever you are, there is probably something to celebrate this weekend. And as always these days, there happens to be a ton of news. So let's get to it. Two major political stories. The special counsel released its report on President Biden's classified documents, some of the findings in the 345-page report. And the Supreme Court hears a case that could shape the 2024 presidential election. Justices do appear skeptical of the Colorado ruling that removed former President Trump from the ballot. Overseas, a big shakeup in the Ukrainian military nearly two years after Russia's invasion. Onto the climate, the world has surpassed a key warming threshold, where in the United States, the most people are reporting UFO sightings. It may and may not surprise you. Lunar New Year 2024 is almost here. How to ring in the Year of the Dragon. And everything you need to know about Sunday's Super Bowl, the game, the ads, the halftime show, and whether Taylor Swift will make it in time. And it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. What we are watching, reading, and eating. All right, as promised, a lot of political developments on Thursday. To start with, special counsel Robert Herr found that President Biden willfully retained classified information but he is recommending that no criminal charges be filed against him. This follows a year-long investigation into Biden's handling of classified documents after classified material from his time as vice president was found in an office and the garage at his home in Delaware. Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed her, a Trump appointee, to lead the investigation. The findings were laid out in a 345-page report including that Biden knew about the classified documents in his home as far back as 2017 when he was no longer vice president and that he shared some of the information with the ghostwriter for his memoir. It was called Promise Me Dad, which was published that year. We also learned that some of those documents had to do with foreign policy in Afghanistan. As for why her is not recommending criminal charges, he said prosecutors wouldn't be able to prove that Biden intended to break the law at trial. And this next part is pretty brutal. He says, quote, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. He also notes that Biden cooperated with the investigation and returned the classified documents once they were discovered which he points out is a very big difference between this Biden case and the charges against former President Trump. The report says, quote, after being given multiple chances to return classified documents and avoid prosecution, Mr. Trump allegedly did the opposite. On the other hand, quote, Mr. Biden turned in classified documents to the National Archives and the Department of Justice, consented to the search of multiple locations, including his home's sat for a voluntary interview and in other ways cooperated with the investigation. Still, Donald Trump jumping on the report. His campaign released a two-sentence statement. Quote, if you are too senile to stand trial, then you are too senile to be president. Joe Biden is unfit to lead this nation. 
In a different statement, White House counsel Richard Sauber and Biden's personal attorney Bob Bauer accused her of, quote, investigative excess in terms of the way that he described Biden's memory, flouting Justice Department regulations and norms. They wrote, quote, we do not believe that the report's treatment of President Biden's memory is accurate or appropriate. The report uses highly prejudicial language to describe a commonplace occurrence among witnesses, a lack of recall of years old events. Biden, meanwhile, saying that the report means it is case closed. He called a last minute press conference for Thursday evening. He said he is pleased that the special counsel reached a firm conclusion that no charges should be brought and acknowledged that he cooperated completely. He reiterated what was in the report, that he sat for a five hour interview over two days in October, even though Israel had just been attacked by Hamas. And he also dismissed the criticism of his memory, including the special counsel saying that Biden didn't remember when his son Beau died, which he said he thought was offensive. After his statement, Biden did take questions from reporters, including this one from Fox's Pete Ducey about his memory. Take a listen. President Biden, something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, and I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out. is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. So a little jab at Ducey there. Biden was also asked a question about the war in Gaza. And in what may have been his most vocal criticism of Israel, he said Israel's response to the attack on October 7th in the Gaza Strip has been, quote, over the top. And then minutes after defending his memory, he mistakenly referred to the Egyptian president, el-Sisi, as the president of Mexico. I went on Twitter or X shortly after Biden's report And that mix-up did not go unnoticed. All right, now to the Supreme Court. A historic day on Thursday with a case that could have a direct impact on the 2024 presidential election, or at least who's eligible to run in it. Justices heard arguments about whether Colorado has the power to remove former President Trump from the Republican primary ballot because of his actions trying to overturn the 2020 election results. The court has a 6-3 to conservative majority. But it seemed, at least from listening to the justices' questions, that across the board, the justices were skeptical about giving an individual state the power to remove Trump. Now, to step back quickly, Colorado again ruled that Trump should be removed from the ballot because he violated a provision in the 14th Amendment preventing those who, quote, engaged in insurrection from holding office. It was enacted in the wake of the Civil War as a way to prevent Confederates from returning to power in the U.S. government. Trump is looking for the Supreme Court to overturn the Colorado ruling. His lawyers argued that he was never charged with insurrection. They say what happened on January 6th was a riot and not an insurrection. And they say that this part of the Constitution was not meant to apply to the president. Here is a clip of Justice Elena Kagan. She is one of the court's liberals asking the attorney who's representing Colorado voters why one state should make a decision that could have implications for a national election. I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. In other words, you know, this question of whether a former president is disqualified for insurrection uh, to be president again 
is, you know, just say it, it sounds awfully national to me. Um, so whatever means there are to enforce it would suggest that they have to be federal, national means. Why does, uh, you know, if you weren't from Colorado and you were from Wisconsin or you were from Michigan, and it really, you know, what the Michigan Secretary of State did is going to make the difference between, you know, whether candidate A is elected or candidate B is elected. I mean, that seems quite extraordinary, doesn't it? Justice Kavanaugh, meanwhile, asked whether removing the Republican frontrunner is disenfranchising voters who want him to be president. The attorney who represented the Colorado voters said, quote, safeguarding democracy goes beyond letting people vote for the person they prefer to see in office. Our Constitution protects us from insurrectionists who could dismantle our constitutional democracy from within. He said the reason we're here is that President Trump tried to disenfranchise 80 million Americans who voted against him. And the Constitution does not require that he be given another chance. Nonetheless, Again, it does look like a majority of the justices were skeptical about this argument and seem to think that Congress could enforce that provision in the 14th Amendment, not individual states. Chief Justice John Roberts suggested that if this Colorado ruling was upheld, then down the line, you could potentially see a situation where states kick other presidential candidates off the ballot and it would go both ways, Republicans and Democrats and that would create total chaos in the presidential process. The Supreme Court is expected to rule relatively soon within the next few weeks, and their decision will have big implications given that other states are watching and could potentially follow suit in trying to keep Trump off the ballot. Colorado's primary is March 5th. Okay, plenty of news after the break, but first, here's some of our sponsors. Starting with Factor Meal, we are definitely pressed for time in my household and still want to eat healthy and nutritious meals. And that's why we are so excited about Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. They can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. I have been loving them in my house. I grab them and I have them for lunch usually. And I feel like I'm so luxurious. They are delicious. They're not like frozen grocery store lunches or dinners. And you get to skip the extra trip to the grocery store, plus the chopping and prepping and cleaning up while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Choose from more than 35 weekly meals and it's flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And they also have cold, fresh juices, shakes, and smoothies. Just head to factormeals.com slash monews50. Use the code monews5050 to get 50% off. That is code monews50 at factormeals.com slash monews50 to get 50% off. And now to Athletic Greens, we're always talking about health trends and food trends, and it is hard to get all of your nutrients. Well, one way to get all of the important ones is Athletic Greens AG1 powder. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It is easy and quick, and it lets you get on with your day, knowing that you have gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. I drink it in the morning. Mosh, one of my friends, always likes to say that he thinks of it as his insurance policy for the day, meaning he's already got all of his 
good stuff covered in the morning and not that he could pig out in the afternoon, but at least he knows he's got all the good stuff covered. Now with your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Visit drinkag1.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription and try it one time for just a month. Again, that is drinkag1.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. Time now for the speed read. Starting overseas from CNN, President Vladimir Zelensky has announced the dismissal of Ukraine's top commander, General Valery Zeluzny, in the biggest military shakeup since the start of Russia's full-scale invasion almost two years ago. The president's move follows tensions between Zelensky and his hugely popular military chief after the failure of Ukraine's much-vaunted counteroffensive, And with Ukraine facing a renewed Russian onslaught, manpower and ammunition shortages, and U.S. aid stalled in Congress, Zeluzny's replacement will be Alexander Sersky, who since 2019 has served as the commander of the Ukrainian land forces. Differences between Zelensky and his former general had been simmering for many months, but they appeared to grow wider toward the end of last year after Zelensky was interviewed for The Economist magazine and said that the war had reached a stalemate. He warned that without a great technological leap forward, there would likely be no, quote, deep and beautiful breakthrough. And Zelensky's office immediately criticized those remarks, saying that the commentary only benefited Russia. More recently, the two leaders had clashed over whether Ukraine needed a mass mobilization effort. The army chief had suggested that up to a half a million draftees were required. Zelensky resisted that. But this move is seen as a big political gamble for Zelensky. When Russia launched its invasion in February of 2022, many of Ukraine's allies, including many here in the United States, thought Kyiv would fall in a few days and that the rest of the country would fall within weeks. But under Zeluzny's direction, Ukraine's troops were able to drive Moscow's forces from the capital. And later in the year, they managed to reclaim large parts of the southern and eastern territories occupied by Russia. Ukraine was hoping to drive Russian forces even further back in 2023. So far, they've been unsuccessful. Even so, the now former military chief is still one of the most popular leaders in the country. He has an 88 percent approval rating. Could you imagine anyone being that popular here in the United States? Analysts have long speculated about whether Zeluzny would one day perhaps challenge Zelensky in a future election. Either way, a frontline commander told CNN, quote, you do not dismiss the commander in chief in the middle of war. Nothing good will come of it. It is playing into the hands of the Russians. So certainly we'll continue uh, to monitor the situation there. From CNBC, scientists on Thursday said that the world surpassed a key warming threshold across an entire year for the first time on record, once again calling on the importance of cutting planet-warming greenhouse gas emissions. The European Union's Copernicus Climate Change Service, also known as C3S, said the global mean temperature for the 12-month period through January was 1.52 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial average and more than half a degree above the average from 1991 to 2020. The findings aren't a break of the landmark Paris Agreement, which aims to limit global warming to well below two, preferably one and a half degrees Celsius, compared to pre-industrial levels over the long term, as in over 20 to 30 years. So it's not about just one year. 
But the EU's climate monitor says the data reinforces the need to rapidly reduce greenhouse gas emissions in order to avoid the worst of what the climate crisis has in store. They also confirmed that the first month of this year, 2024, was the warmest January on record. Each of the seven months prior to January also broke heat records for their respective time of year. And as Moshe and I have been talking about, scientists recently confirmed that 2023 was the hottest year on record. Now, why is that 1.5 degrees threshold so important? It is recognized as a crucial long-term target because so-called tipping points become more likely beyond that level. So if passed, those tipping points can lead to dramatic shifts or potentially irreversible changes to some of Earth's largest systems. All right, this from Axios, a look at where in the U.S. are the biggest hotspots for UFOs. No surprise, the American West is the place to go if you want to spot some UFOs, especially Lincoln County, Nevada, home to the fabled Area 51, a top-secret U.S. Air Force base. Discussion and reports of UFOs, or the more modern term UAPs, unidentified anomalous phenomena, have been going more mainstream in recent years amid a push for answers from lawmakers and others. Again, according to the National UFO Reporting Center, Nevada's Lincoln County had the most reported UFO sightings among U.S. counties between 2000 and 2023. It's followed by Arthur County, Nebraska, and Alpine County, California. There are some hot spots out east as well, including New York's Hamilton County and Dare County, North Carolina. One thing about a lot of these locations, they're what's called dark sky locations, where it's easier to see interesting things in the night sky when you're far from sources of light pollution. For example, Hamilton County in New York, right in the middle of the Adirondacks and home to some of the darkest skies east of the Mississippi. By the way, anyone can submit a report to the National UFO Reporting Center, but volunteers there do work to weed out what they consider obvious hoaxes or false reports. All right, next up is a story idea that I got from my daughter who learned all about the Lunar New Year at school on Thursday. So this is from USA Today. The Lunar New Year 2024 is almost here. Here's how to ring in the year of the dragon. So while the new year began over a month ago on January 1st, for many, for others, the year doesn't start until the beginning of the Lunar New Year. This year, the Lunar New Year falls on February 10th, and it marks the year of the dragon, So what is the Lunar New Year? It is a celebration of the first lunar cycle in the new year. The first day is referred to as the Spring Festival. The last day is called the Lantern Festival in China. This year, Lunar New Year begins on Saturday, February 10th, and it ends on Saturday, February 24th. It's celebrated every year, and it occurs on different days depending on the culture. In China, it begins during the first new moon of the calendar year, and it ends with the first full moon. The Lunar New Year originated in China, and it traces its history back more than 3,000 years, but it spread to various countries in Southeast Asia, like Vietnam, South Korea, and Japan. And it is celebrated a bit differently in each of the countries where it is observed. Many Lunar New Year celebrations pertain to ushering in good fortune for the year ahead. And during the preceding week, many people who celebrate will clean their houses to rid them of any bad luck from the past. The animal of the 2024 Lunar New Year is the dragon. Gift giving is quite common during the Lunar New Year. The most traditional of these gifts are red envelopes, which are filled with money. Other gifts include fruits. So where do we sign up for the money? I think that's what I want over the fruit. Although the fruit probably would signify a sweet year ahead. 
And finally, it is Super Bowl weekend. The San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs will face off this Sunday at Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. It is a repeat of 2020 when the Chiefs won 31 to 20. This time, though, the 49ers are slightly favored to win. Last year's game had the highest viewership ever, 115.1 million. Some analysts, though, expect this year will break that record. A quarter of the audience plans to watch the ads more than the game itself. You can count me as one of those people. The Super Bowl commands the most expensive advertising on television. This year, it's about $7 million for 30 seconds of ad time. But apparently the money comes back. In 2022, the average Super Bowl advertiser saw a return of $4.60 for every dollar spent. Snack brands will be making the biggest showing in ads this weekend. Think Oreo, Drumstick Ice Cream, and candy companies. Some ads to look out for. Beer maker Anheuser-Busch is going for nostalgia. Snoop Dogg, Martha Stewart, and Willie Nelson will join forces in a Bic Lighter ad. And Drumstick is going for laughs with its Super Bowl debut. Uber Eats has a star-studded ad with Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer. And the hefty price tag that brands pay for airtime does not include, of course, the cost of celebrity cameos. Over 40% of ads last year featured at least one celebrity. That is nearly six times more than in 2010. All right, if you're like me, you're probably looking forward to the halftime show as well. Usher is the headliner this year, but in an interview with Billboard, he said there will be special guests as well. He said he is considering performing new songs, which personally, Usher, if you're listening to this podcast, I think for the Super Bowl, just stick with the hits. So in this interview, he says it's 12 to 15 minutes. It's really hard to determine what moment matters more than others, especially with a new song. But there's the dance, the wardrobe, the lighting how long you stay in a song, the fact that the audience may sing along. It is a lot. So I'm trying my hardest not to overthink it. As for potential guests, Usher in the past has collaborated with many artists in his career, from Ludacris to Little John, Justin Bieber, Alicia Keys. So we'll see if any of those names or others make an appearance on the Super Bowl stage. And then there's the swift factor. In an interview ahead of the big game, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey seemed to indicate that his girlfriend Taylor Swift may not make it to the Super Bowl. She's currently performing in Tokyo, Japan, as part of the international leg of her Eras tour. He said she's just working on entertaining them, making sure she's ready for her performances and everything. But the Super Bowl will worry about if she can make it. So notice she said if, not when. She finishes her final show Saturday night in Tokyo, which is about 17 hours ahead of Las Vegas. So that does work in their favor. Even though she is not confirmed to be there, that has not stopped people from making bets on everything from how much airtime she's going to get to whether Travis Kelsey will propose if his team wins. Kickoff for the big game, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on CBS and also Paramount+. Plus. It is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. Time for what we are watching, reading, and eating. Moshe and I are both going to be watching the Super Bowl. I'm guessing he's going to be watching more of the game. I'm going to be watching the halftime show and the commercials. And I'll be looking for any Taylor Swift cameos. What we are reading, Moshe is reading Putin's Exiles by Paul Starobin. And I'm going to be reading the next book for my book club. It's called Ugly Love by Colleen Hoover. Some of my friends in the book club have already read it and say that it is quite steamy. Hmm. 
Okay, and what we are eating, Moshe is going to be eating shawarma. I mentioned, of course, he's in Israel. Shawarma is hugely popular in the Middle East. By the way, look for some of Moshe's reporting on the premium account over this weekend. As for me, I'm going to be at a Super Bowl party, and I am expecting the usual. Some pigs in the blanket, nachos, maybe some pizza. All right, guys, uh, that is it. I promised we'd be short and sweet today. Thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store. And don't forget to follow us over on the Instagram account, at Mosh, M-O-S-H-E-H. Everyone have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.